Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Welcome to The Porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics. We examine the Word of God. We follow the example of the Book of Acts Church. And we discover how they served the Lord and why they were so successful. And we do that by digging deeper into Scripture, looking for the true meaning of the Word, not watering it down, not filtering it. And in the process, I believe we have found the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created. The Porch has always been committed to restoring the priesthood of the believer and the world-shaking influence that the Book of Acts Church had. We believe the church age is still in effect. The fire still falls. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The porch was created as an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc., a Florida non-for-profit in January of 2000. Go to onsolomonsporch.org to contact us there, or you could go to firefalltalkradio.com. You could use the contact button. Also, ways to support us there. Go to the bottom of the main page. We thank each and every one of you that do support us. We are committed to bringing you what the Lord tells us to, and we are thankful that you're committed to helping us do that. Welcome to all our other listeners besides Spreaker.com, the only place you can hear us live. You can get the archived and download. We're also on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. So welcome. Last week I mentioned that the newsletter had gone out. If you didn't get it, let us know. Only one person responded. So I'm assuming that uh, out of all our listeners, only one person didn't get it or didn't see it on social media. We're going to be switching our email uh, newsletter format and who we use because apparently they're not making it to their destination be honest with you, I have my email in there, and I didn't see it, so I have no idea where it went. Every week we start out by giving you news and reports about the signs of the times, and I believe that ties into the Bible studies and the things we talk about. Well, if you've been paying attention, and hopefully you do, um, the Chinese government has quarantined a city of Wuhan, shutting down their airport public transportations because they're in the midst of an outbreak of a coronavirus. It's uh, been linked to 17 deaths and sickened over 500 others. It's a mysterious virus from China. Isn't it interesting all this stuff comes from China? Viruses, tainted uh, dog foods, dog treats. I don't, eh, I'm not going to say that. I'll just let it go. It's made its way into America and other countries, spreading more rapidly than the officials are letting on. Chinese media says, uh, you know, six, three to 500 people infected by the disease but the Imperial College, a research group, has said it's really well over 1,700. 
substantially more cases of moderate and severe respiratory illness. Basically, it acts like a common cold, lower respiratory tract, pneumonia, bronchitis, those things. Anybody with uh, CART disease, cardiopulmonary disease, weakened immune system, infants and older adults are in danger from it. So, signs of the times, pestilences and diseases. Another sign of the times is persecution. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before I mentioned that Boko Haram had uh, kidnapped Reverend Lawa Andimi, a senior leader in the Christian Association of Nigeria, father of nine children. The um, Abu Abu Bakar Shakau terrorist group within Boko Haram executed him. They beheaded him. It's um, they even put out the video of the execution. Kidnapped on January third in his um, city near the Cameroon border. And um, days after his kidnapping, they released a six-minute proof-of-life video in which the pastor praised God, telling his family and colleagues, don't cry, don't worry, but thank God for everything. I've never been discouraged because everything is in God's hands. By the grace of God, I will be together with my wife and children and colleagues, and if the opportunity has not been granted, then maybe it is the will of God. Well, he went home to heaven. He's not going home to his family, so this doesn't seem to end this attack on our brothers and sisters by satanically inspired groups, let me call them what they are, they are demon-possessed. We really, really have to pray for them. But we're going to start out by praising God. So I praise Him for my home, for my wife, my family, sons, daughter-in-law's grandson, for our furry kids, and everything that we have. Everything we have is from Him. Whether we went to the store and bought it or we whatever, everything comes from Him. Every gift comes from him. Our life comes from him. My marriage comes from him. My relationship with my family comes from him. So I'm thankful for that and for him. Praise him for his protection. We live in a fallen world. Anything can happen at any time. So I praise him for that. I praise him for the ministry that he lets me work, for the dreams and the visions and the visitations and the things he's been sharing over these almost... um, Two months of me being in prayer and spending 90-some-odd percent of my time with him. Even when I go to the gym, I'm spending time with him, uh, praising him, listening to praise and worship music, talking to him. Some people probably think I'm singing along or mouthing the words of the song, when in actuality, I'm praying sometimes even in tongues. I praise him for America, for the signs that he's giving us, that he's getting ready to return This is really serious, folks. I know I say this every week, and I've been saying it for a long time, but the signs are there. Everything going on in the Middle East, everything happening here in America, all the the pestilences, the earthquakes, the famines, the wars and rumors of war, we must be ready. Continue to praise him for Pastor Shelley's healing and um, getting back into the Word and working on some things. I'm looking forward to how God's going to use him. Praise him for my health and being back in the gym and the health of my wife and just him protecting us in every way possible in this fallen world. But you know what? We have to pray. We have to pray for the Middle East, for Israel, and the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122 verse 6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem 
May they prosper who love you. Well, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which means we are praying for what? For the Prince of Peace to return. We're praying for its protection. We're praying for its guidance. We're praying for him to destroy its enemies and to glorify himself through Israel. Pray for the fatherless and the widows and the innocents and the victims of injustice. Like the slaughter of the innocents in the womb and what we do to his creation on this earth and the victims of of human trafficking and sex trafficking. It just doesn't seem to end. Pray for our brothers and sisters around the world that are being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith, for their families, for their loved ones. That the anti-Semitism, which is rising globally, indicates to me, as I said last time, the spirit of the Antichrist is growing bolder. And that we will soon come to the time of his unveiling. Pray for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as we get back to our divine design. Yes, we need our spirit person, a spirit man or woman. We need that healed. We need that whole. But your body must be whole. You can't be sick. You can't be weak. You can't be confused and be useful, which means you must take care of yourself. You must eat right. You must exercise. Stop making excuses for your health when in actuality... Much of it's in your control because he put it there. So I pray for each and every one of you to get inspired, to get dedicated, to be diligent, to do what you need to do to get healthy. If you're sick and it's beyond your control, both financially, physically, medicinally, whatever it is, then I pray for the faith that you need to overcome it. And pray for you right now that you be healed in Yeshua's name. I pray for protection. That's Psalm 91 covering. That in everywhere and everything you are protected by him. I pray that you'd be inspired. Inspired to pray. Inspired to get into the word. Inspired to be more than what you are in this kingdom. Nobody is irrelevant in the kingdom of God. We all have our place and our purpose. So I'm praying that the remnant, that's who I'm talking to, to the remnant. To wake up. Get out of your slumber. Rise up. Answer the call to action. Answer the things I've said here to be ready for his return. If you've been blessed, then be a blessing. There are needs. People have needs. This ministry, Firefall, uh, SRT, we have needs. The documentary has needs. It's going to get done. More than ever, I believe not only is it the timing is right, the timing is necessary. By faith, I speak right now that sometime in in March, late March probably, I'll be up in New England with myself and Larry and Joe and uh, Greg, our cameraman and fellow brother in the Lord. We're going to finish this. We're going to get it done. We're going to get it out there. We're going to awaken people. We're going to open their eyes. We're going to be able to speak to the unsaved and expose the enemy's schemes to them. So pray with us in agreement. That, that the open conduits of his blessing to, to fund the dreams and the visions and the missions would happen. Continue to pray for divine favor in the conclusion of legal matters and adversity that we've been going through. We are, my son Jesse and his wife are, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray them resolved to our favor and to his glory. And then finally, we pray for our lost family members, aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, and sisters, and people that we love who are not born again. 
uh, just because they sit in a church, will they tell, I am praying for them to be born again, spirit-filled, in accordance with the Word, not in accordance with some religious doctrine or denomination. Dawn in South Carolina has asked for prayer. She hasn't been feeling well. She deals with Crohn's disease, and uh, she's been taking drugs for it. Maybe they've been doing some tests, and uh, some adverse reaction may be happening, so she's going to be going in to get that taken care of and get that clarified. Please pray that it would not be serious. We also pray for your healing, Dawn. Enough is enough. You've struggled with this long enough. Kim in Fort Mitchell praises the Lord for another day, grateful for her salvation, sobriety, and grateful for her children. Praises him for his protection and everything that he provides for them. Says, I'm praying for our children in these schools. The enemy is so busy destroying our children. Father, deliver our youth and open their eyes. Save souls, protect our families, believers all over the world. Praying for to be financially stable. Keep your people and your animals warm during these temperatures and help them find shelter in Jesus' name. Lord, we are living in difficult times. There's an oppression in the air. We can feel the actions of the enemies, and sometimes we feel weary and worn down. Sometimes we feel beat down. But you know what? Right now, we come together as a community, as a fellowship of believers, as brothers and sisters. We touch and we agree. I am asking each and every one of you right now to touch and agree with me that we would be blessed, we would be healed, we would be restored, renewed, rejuvenated, a quickening in our mortal body that the power of the blood and the cross that set us free would be manifest in our lives. Clear eyes, open ears, that the signs of the Messiah would be manifest in us as a witness to the world. That the Holy Spirit of the living God, the Ruach HaKodesh, would fill each and every one of us to overflowing so that both the gifts and the fruit are manifest in us to go do what we need to do, to live in this fallen world, to shine the light in dark times, to be a light, a shining light, a beacon in the darkness for people to find their way. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the sacrifice. But most of all, we, th- we are thankful that you're alive. You're not a dead prophet. You're not a, you're not a fictional character. You're real and alive and sit at the right hand of the Father and fold us some power. And you've allowed us to sit with you in the heavenly places. So right now, touch us. Open our minds. Open our hearts. Take the fire that's inside of us, the spirit that's inside of us, Lord, and pour some oil on it. Let it grow. Let it glow. Let it get hotter and greater. So that no matter what the spiritual temperature is around us, we will burn with you. We'll burn in your love. We'll burn in your grace and your mercy, and we'll be able to give it to others. So, Holy Spirit, have your way. This is your time. This is what you do to remind us of Yeshua, what he said and what he did, to explain the word and expound upon it so that we can go do what needs to be done. And I just pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen.
lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we're still talking the awakening remnant. Some of you are already awake. Many of you know that you're called to be, but you're struggling. You're struggling with the cares of this world and other things. So we're going to go a little deeper into that to help get you to realign your focus and your priorities. But I want to start with something. I saw it on Facebook. I shared it, but I want to share it with you. And it's from John Eldridge from a book called Waking the Dead. And this is what he posted, and I thought it applied to what we're talking about, so bear with me as I read this to you. He says, Church is not a building. Church is not an event that takes place on Sundays. I know it's how we think of it. Quote, I go to First Baptist. Quote, we are members of St. Luke's. Is it time to go to church? Much to our surprise, that's not how the Bible uses the term. Not at all. When the scripture talks about church, it means community. The little fellowships of the heart that are outposts of the kingdom. A shared life. They worship together, eat together, pray for one another, go on quest together. They hang out to, together in each other's homes. When Peter is sprung from prison in Acts twelve twelve, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, where many had gathered and were praying. Anytime an army goes to war or an expedition takes to the field, it breaks out into little platoons and squads. And every chronicle of war or quest will tell you that the men and women who fought so bravely fought for each other. That's where the acts of heroism and sacrifice take place, because that's where the devotion is. You simply can't be devoted to a mass of people. Devotion takes place in small units, just like a family. We've stopped short of being an organization. We are an organism instead, a living and spontaneous association of individuals. We, who know one another intimately, care for each other deeply, and feel a kind of respect for one another that makes rules and bylaws unnecessary. A group is the right size. I would guess when each member can pray for every other member individually and by name. See, this is the wisdom of Brother Andrew who smuggled Bibles into communist countries for decades. It's the model, frankly, of the church in nearly every country but the U.S., he goes on to add a, a caveat. He says, I'm not suggesting you don't do whatever it is you do on Sunday mornings. I'm simply helping you to accept reality. And whatever else you do, you must have a small fellowship to walk with you and fight with you and bandage your wounds. This is essential. Well, I wouldn't have offered that caveat. What we do on Sunday mornings in the buildings and in the mega churches has no resemblance to the book of Acts church and what the Lord designed. None whatsoever. And that's why we've been so ineffective. What the world needs right now is more buildings and more 501c3 organizations. What they need is they need the church to be the church. And I believe it's going to take the remnant to do that. So to be remnant ready, 
you need to refocus your perspective about church and about the kingdom of God. To be remnant ready, you need to realign your priorities and your loyalty to God and the kingdom of God. Now, all of those things are going to be tested almost immediately. The minute you make the declaration, the enemy is going to test your resolve. It's going to be tested by adversity. It's going to be tested by the world system, which tells you, oh, no, no, you can't do that. And it's going to be tested by the enemy who really doesn't want you to be the church. So where does it start? How do we refocus our perspective? Well, it starts when we rebuild our foundation upon our loyalty to him. To do that, we must recognize his loyalty to us. Without that loyalty, there is no cross. Without that loyalty to us, there is no Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. That's why the law didn't work. The law was dependent upon us living up to it. It was never going to happen. He knew that. Even when he cut his covenant with Abraham, he put Abraham to sleep, and God himself walked through the the animals cut in half through the covenant ritual all by himself, knowing that Abraham was never going to live up to it. So how do you do this? I, I know a number of you who write me and stay in touch with me, whether you text me or email, Facebook message, whatever. I know what you're going through. I know there's a struggle in what I'm talking about. But I believe that your heart is in the right place. It's the rest of you that you're having a problem with, especially your mind. Psalm 37, verses 3 through 5. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You see the give and take of that? It's you and him, you and him, you and him. He brings it to pass. It's all about his faithfulness to us. Feed on his faithfulness. Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. Because they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Look, look how that shifted. We, we're talking about God the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. His compassions fail not, but then we personalize it. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When was the last time you thanked him for his faithfulness to you? Oh, we say praise God, praise the Lord. We throw out the the affirmations and the, the little uh, cliches, but when was the last time you stopped and thanked him? Psalm 89.1, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. 
every opportunity, in every way, in every place, at any time, we should be able to praise him. We should be able to say when something goes our way, we'll praise the Lord. I prayed about that. Redirect everything back towards him. That mercy we sing about is really loyal love. That's what it's translated as. I will sing of the loyal love of the Lord forever. Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2. It's supposed to be the song on the Sabbath day. You're supposed to read Psalm 92 on the Sabbath day. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Now, I'm not asking you to be super spiritual, super religious, you know, the people that can drop the Lord's name or praise the Lord. Praise God, brother. You know, there's some people that just, uh, it's fake. We we know it's fake. But the people that are real, you know it's real. You can see it. You can hear it. It's not just faking it till they make it. They've already made it. It's in their heart, and they're speaking it. Declare his loving kindness in the morning and his faithfulness every night, because the time, the storm is here. You, I, I'm still not sure yet how or even if I'm going to share what the Lord has been telling me over the last almost two months, I've added some of it to the Bible studies. I've tweaked the Bible studies in that direction, but it's been a little more graphic, a little more detailed, a lot more specific. But I will tell you this. I won't tell you that there's a storm coming as I have done in the PowerPoints. I'm telling you the storm is here. Sometimes storms start slowly. The clouds darken. You hear the rumble. You see a flash of lightning before it envelops you. The storm is here. And what's going to get you through those moments of darkness and fear and and all the things that go with the storm is declaring his loving kindness and knowing who you are in him. And that phrase from... uh, loving kindness in the morning and faithfulness every night. It was a reference to the fact that under the Mosaic law, under the Mosaic sacrifice system, there were sacrifices every morning and every night. We don't need that anymore. We've had the ultimate sacrifice. So what can we offer him morning and night? The sacrifice of our time, the sacrifice of our praises. I've I've come to be annoyed by anything that interferes with my time with him. I would really be able to live the life, and I believe I will, where that's all I do. It's praise him, serve him, go do what he tells us to do, come back to a place of sanctuary and safe haven, and praise him. Hopefully it will be a beach there so I can walk the beach while the waves are crashing while doing that. Romans 3.3. 3. What if some did not believe and were without faith? Does their lack of faith and their faithlessness nullify and make ineffective and void the faithfulness of God and his fidelity to his word? And the answer is no. You're surrounded by people that don't believe. They don't believe in him. They don't believe he's faithful. They don't have any sense of him whatsoever. Some of them are in the church. A lot of them are in the world. 
Does that negate it? No. Because my Jewish brothers and sisters don't believe. Does that change anything just for them? I know the truth, but I also know his character and his nature is eternal. It's a guarantee. So how, how do we do this? Maybe I need to ask another question. Do you want to do this? Do you want what I'm talking about? Well, I, I would assume that you are. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be listening. This message over the last four or five years has become more laser-like. It's been tuned and tweaked from being this wide beam to this laser focus which started with the concept of you must be born again and you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Messiah Yeshua have nailed their passions and desires and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. If you've not nailed the passions and the desires of your fleshly nature to the cross, if you've not crucified them, if you're still carrying them around, if they're still coming back to life or even an active part of your life, the struggle's going to get worse. The influence of the enemy in everything, media, politics, social media, uh, retail, everything, everywhere we go, we're surrounded by the influence of the enemy. You can't turn on TV, movie, or anything without being inundated with the sin of the week or the new thing that they're trying to convince you is okay. And they're convincing your children, better pay attention to what your children are watching and doing. And instead of locking them in their room or taking away their devices, sit down with them with the word and explain to them why it's bad for them. Just saying, nope, don't do that. That's bad. That, that's not going to work. It's just not. Didn't work for me. I had to understand why it was bad. And unfortunately, you can tell somebody, don't touch that. It's hot. Some people are not going to learn until they touch it and get burned. And that's the sad part. Sometimes our sons and daughters are going to make mistakes. The world is going to get to them. The enemy is going to get to them. That's why Romans 12, 2, I've been repeating it a lot over the time here on the porch. Do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God, through his Holy Spirit, transform you into a new creation, a new person, by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. You can't know the will of God if you don't know the Word of God. And if the Word of God is not in you, then the Holy Spirit's not there to inspire you and explain it to you. And if the Holy Spirit's not there, you are just not going to understand. Don't be conformed 
to this age. Don't be fashioned after it, adapted to it by its external and superficial superficial customs and ways. Don't be changed by the the nature of this world, but be transformed. Like somebody took a, a, a machine apart and rewired it and put it back together better. By the renewal of your mind with new ideals and new attitudes and new understanding. And in doing so, you will prove for yourselves what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. And that's his relationship with you. That's how he sees you and how you see him. This world, this age that the Bible talks about, is a godless system. Don't be fooled. Don't believe when people tell you, oh, the United States belongs to the Lord. Great is the nation that loves the Lord, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, we're still killing too many babies a day. We're still doing horrendous things. And the government's paying for it with our money and our taxes. Therefore, it's the government who's participating in it. We live in a godless system. We live in a godless world. And until the King of Kings and Lord of Lords comes back to fix that, then we must be his representatives. We can't accept the pattern of the devil. We cannot accept the patterns of the false gods and the demons. Satan, Hasatan, the adversary, the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. I'll even go further. blinded the minds of those who are not born again. They're unable in any way, shape, or form to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message. They don't understand the glory of God. They don't understand that Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, is the exact likeness of God. Oh, they might tell you, well, he was a good teacher. They might even admit he was a prophet. But too many people out there claim to be Christians. I'm doing that thing with my fingers. Christians... They don't know him. They don't know anything about him. But if you're going to be remnant ready, if you're going to be ready to be used by him, then you have got to get your mind transformed. The war is in your mind. Something goes south. Somebody says something. You you, you latch on to it with your thoughts. You become obsessed with it, OCD, whatever you want to call it. And the next thing you know, you're in a funk. And that's not the musical funk. That's not, you know, not the kind of funk that makes you dance. This is the kind of funk that makes you want to lay down and do nothing. Stop. Stop listening to the enemy when he speaks. Stop listening to those familiar spirits who remind you of every mistake you've ever made. Remind you of what somebody said about your worthlessness. You need to remind that spirit, I'm born again. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I've been deemed worthy. My worthiness comes from him, not from you, enemy. See, when we dedicate our life to him, we dedicate our thoughts to him, we dedicate our time to him, we begin to live that transformed life, the life of the remnant. 1 Corinthians 7.23 tells me this. God paid a high price for you. Don't be enslaved by this world. You've been bought and paid for. 
whom the Son has set free is free indeed. D-E-E-D. Legal contract. You're free. Live it. Live a free life. Free of the world. Free of the of the world system. Free of the enemy. Free of your bondages. Free of your past. Stop reminding yourself of your past. Stop helping the enemy do his work. Make the enemy work a little bit harder. Because we have to be vigilant. Unless our original decision on the day that we made him Lord of our life, it becomes weaker. The foundation of it begins to shake I'm never going to sugarcoat it. The threat of this world, the threat of the enemy is real. It's 24-7, doesn't rest, doesn't back off. It's merciless. It offers you no mercy. If you think, well, I've quit, I've laid down, I'm in a fetal position, I'm I'm no threat to the enemy. If you think that's going to stop him from attacking you, you don't understand the predator mentality. Galatians 1, verses 3 through 5. Grace to you and peace from our God the Father and our Lord Jesus the Messiah, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You're never going to convince Satan the fallen angels, fallen watchers, their demonic offspring, you're never going to convince them to leave you alone. They're just not going to. It's not in their nature. They may fool you and back off for a little while and you think, well, that's okay, I'm off the radar. No, they're going to circle back. If you're a believer... In Jesus of Nazareth, if you're a believer in Yeshua HaMashiach, if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, then you've been delivered from this present evil age. You've been delivered from this world. You've been delivered from HaSatan, the God of this world, and the powers that are going to come. You've been delivered. Can you admit that? I've been delivered? Not me, you. I know I've been delivered. I live a delivered life. I talk about it. I share my testimony. I go everywhere I can to tell people about it. I make sure the enemy knows, hey, been delivered. Don't owe me anymore. Do you believe that? Because there are going to be moments in this storm. If you've ever really been in a storm or like we've been in in hurricanes and bad situations, it's tough to think. The sound, the darkness, the threat, and the danger. You've got to have the basics down so that in those moments, I am saved. I'm born again. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Satan, Prince of Power of the Air, you have no authority over me. Your storm has got to go. You can't be here. You can't touch what is mine. You, the, the scriptures come flowing out of your mouth. The declarations are there. The belief is there. It's in your heart. You can take a stand, even if it means standing in the face of that tornado and telling it to go around your house, going around your property, whatever it might be, little demon, biggest fallen angel, uh, Canaanite gods, whatever. If you know that you know that you know, the enemy can't change your mind. But the problem comes is when you begin to doubt. 
That's when fear comes. That's when faith washes away. Whoever you are right now, wherever you are, whatever your age, whatever your economic status, whatever your intellectual status, none of that matters when it comes to faith. When it comes to belief in him. When it comes to knowing who you are, when it comes to knowing what the Son of the living God is and can do and has done for you, what the Word is and what it can do, there's no doubt, there's no hesitation. The reason you train, or the the reason I train, and the various things I train in, whether it's the martial arts, whether it's working out, whether it's hitting a bag, or whether it's swords, or whatever it is, the reason I do that, so that in the midst of a split second, instinct takes over. The move comes about, block, strike, parry. Advance, retreat, whatever it is. Little drills that I've learned over... How many ever many years I've been training in what I train in? You do it over. You do the basics over and over and over. When we we used to do taekwondo, which I would love to be able to do again, but my back and my knees won't let me. I'll go through the forms, but we did. We always did the basics at the beginning of every class, even even during the testing. You did the basics. You started with the basics, and you everybody did the same thing up until the form, which they were qualifying for. Everybody did the same thing over and over and over and over and over, and you kept going until you were done, and you step off the floor. I got as far as a first-degree black belt, got through my black belt form, stepped off the floor, then second degree, third degree, and on, and those that have continued on with it had to do their form. But they started with us all the way back at the beginning. Everybody did the basics. You and I in this walk, we all do the basics. I may be a little further along in some areas. I may be more experienced in some areas. I may have more word in me, but we all start in the same basics. That's what being remnant ready is, because in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the warfare, that's what you're going to fall back on, the basics. We may live in this world, but we're not of this world. Let me say that again. We live in this fallen world, but we're not of this world. This world has nothing on us. Oh, yeah, we have to pay bills, and we have put ourselves in bondage to Egypt by bad decisions. But the fact is, we don't belong here. My allegiance is not to this world. My allegiance is to to the one who sits on the throne. So when I praise him, I praise him from that perspective. I praise him because I've been taken out of darkness. I've been taken from the enemy's hand. I've been redeemed. I've been set free. And I can stand in the light and the glory of the glory of the Lord. As a witness to the world because I have refused to conform to whatever passing phenomenon, opinion, ritual, or whatever. And that includes the church. I won't dance the dance of church. I won't dance man-made tradition. I won't put up with it. I won't tolerate it. I won't go along with it. won't come into agreement with it. This world... The world system, even the present religious systems, are passing away. When the end comes, there's only going to be one. One God, one king, 
one way to worship, one way to the Father. Do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. You want to be remnant ready? Listen to me. Some of you struggle with this. Do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, craving for sensual gratification, the lust of the eyes, the greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, assurance in one's own resources, or the stability of earthly things, these, these don't come from the Father, but are from the world itself. And the world passes away and disappears, and with it the forbidden craving, the passionate desires, the lust of it. But he or she who does the will of God, carries out his purposes in their life, abides forever. If you are in love with the world, if you love the world system, even if you're in love with the man-made religious systems, you're in a spiritual adultery. We want to touch about that, talk, touch on that a little more. All that's in the world, listen to me, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not from God. It is the antithesis of him. That's why John gave us this triad to worry about, to watch for. Sinful pleasures, sensual pleasures, covetousness, materialism, or being proud about your position in the world or in the church or whatever. That's why I don't go by a title. I could. I could drop the reverend thing or the pastor thing. And I saw people that call me that, and I, I accept it based upon they're doing it out of affection and respect, but I don't use it. There's only one who deserves any respect. There's only one title that matters, and it's Lord, and I'm not him. All the things that are a part of ministry and traditional church, I detest. The positions of power, the positions of prominence, the best seats. Why do we have a stage? Only one person should be lifted up. If you can't hear me from the pulpit via microphone or my voice, then the room's too big and there's too many people. We should all be on the same level. We're all in this together. John was telling believers, have integrity, be obedient, be repentant. Make sure your relationship with each other and your relationship with God is right. Honorary degrees, reputation or titles or uh, expensive cars or homes or clothes or all the things that are that draw attention to themselves just makes them pompous. That word pompous. Ever, do you ever look at somebody and just think that word pompous? I do. It shouldn't be in the church. It really shouldn't. We're, we're called to be different. And that's what I'm expecting from the remnant, is that we're different. To be remnant ready means there are no distractions to you. There's no lust or 
or to steal your view or diminish your loyalty to him. We should never become guilty of spiritual adultery. Go to James chapter 4, verses 2 through 7. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill for it. And I don't think he means literally. I, I just mean that in the, he believes that in the, uh, the heart and the desires, how badly you want it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Verse 4, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is so passionate that the spirit he placed within us should be faithful to him, and he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Most people like to quote the second half of verse 7. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, if you've not humbled yourself to God, if you have any of those things from two through six going on, the devil's not going to flee because he knows he's got a piece of you. What area of your life right now do you need to submit to the authority of God? What area of your life that in submitting to the authority of God would allow you to stand firm against Satan, against his demons, against the kingdom of darkness? The power comes from our relationship with him. The world wants to alienate you from the Father, wants to alienate you from the Son, wants to alienate you from the Holy Spirit. And when we let the world do that, we alienate ourselves from God. The world considers sin acceptable. Oh, grace, grace, all is grace. He's going to forgive you, so go ahead, do it anyway. That's called presumptuous sin. Nope, it tells you that premarital sex is okay. Friends with benefits? Yeah, so what? I'm I'm so astounded when I see that on social media. I see people that are believers living that lifestyle, and I just go, wow, you're playing spiritual Russian roulette. If you repent, truth, truthfully repent, he will forgive you. But the enemy is going to try to get to you before you do that. Our relationship with him is our anchor in the midst of this storm. It's what makes us remnant ready. It's what allows him to call upon us to be used by him. And guess what? We're all potentially able of being infected. Just like that virus can affect anybody. This virus of sin and lust and and all the things that I've been talking about, nobody is immune to the danger of it. Let me clarify that. We are all susceptible to it. But 
if your immunity's right, if your system, your immune system, your spiritual immune system is right, which means the words in you, the spirits in you, praying and praising and that fire of the Holy Spirit active and burning bright, you're good. But when it's weak and you're not doing it, you're not praying and you're not praising, you're not reading the word, you're not doing what you need to do, your immune system is going to be weak. And that's when the enemy pounces. James goes on and says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's relationship. That's desire. It's like when our grandson Jason is here and he runs up to me and throws his arms up. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't even matter if my back is bothering me. I'm going to pick him up. That's the way we are with the Father. Draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. But if you're going to do that, cleanse your hands. You sinners purify your hearts, you double-minded Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. That's acknowledging who you are. It's acknowledging the mistakes. It's acknowledging all those things. But when you humble yourself in front of him, when you when you come to him in complete humility and brokenness, he'll lift you up. It's like a child. Again, I use that. They hurt themselves. They, they come running to you. That lips, bottom lips pushed out. The tears. Maybe they bruise themselves. You're going to scoop them up. He wants you to come to him. You know, what I'm talking about isn't glamorous. It isn't, you know, there's not going to be any posters made about it or movies. But it's the reality of our walk. It's the reality of being remnant ready, of not getting dirtied by this world, not letting the enemy put anything on you, of weeping over our disloyalty when the world has taken his place or has tricked us into doing something that is a form of adultery or we've ignored him, we've broken relationship with him, we have heartfelt shame and dejection that we run to him and in his presence in pure humility, I'm sorry, I repent, please help me, help me with this flesh, help me with these thoughts, help me with these desires. I exalt you, I worship you, I thank you, I'm sorry. He's going to lift you up. The Spirit's going to take you and you're going to rise up and he's going to forgive you. The conviction of the Holy Spirit causes you to seek forgiveness. It causes you to forgive others. It causes you to find the true joy in your relationship with him through the reconciliation to the Father. If you can't forgive others, the Holy Spirit's not there. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Psalm 32, 1. Everyone falls. Everyone makes mistakes. The key is in getting up. I'm going to pick it up from here next time. See, if you, if, are you catching on this whole thing about being remnant ready? It starts deep inside with you. He's already done his part to make us ready. 
But now within you, that transformation from the inside out, that's what makes you dangerous to the enemy. That's why he's trying to influence you from the outside in. So, Father, right now, right now, right now, wherever we are, whoever's listening, whatever time of day, whatever place, it doesn't matter. All those things don't matter. What matters is you. And we come into the hidden shadow of your wings. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to just take a complete stock of us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, deep into our spirit, deep into our mind, deep into our hearts. Find any area that's been infected by this world. Find any area that's not been submitted to you. Find every area that needs to be changed and transformed, renewed, so that we can walk in right relationship with you, filled with the power of the Spirit, filled with the gifts, manifesting the fruit, setting the captives free, and being dangerous to the enemy. We love you, Lord. Forgive us. Forgive us our shortcomings. Forgive us even when we don't understand the words there we should. Your spirit's there. Bring back that childlike faith. Bring back the newness in the walk. Take away the heaviness. We've been heartsick, waiting. Hope deferred makes us heartsick, but when they come, when the dreams come, when they're fulfilled, when the blessings come, it's like a tree of life. We want to be ready, Lord. We want to be used. We want to be what you need us to be for the harvest, for setting the captives free, for plundering the enemy. Whatever part of this army, whatever place, whatever part we play, we want to be ready. And we thank you because you paid the price so that we could be. You did everything to allow us to be. And we will never forget that. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for running with us. Thank you for running this race with us. Thank you for encouraging us right now as you're speaking to to people. You're telling them to forgive themselves, to forgive others. You're telling them where they need to draw a line and where they might need to erase the line they've drawn. To pick their battles. But most of all, to be loyal to the Lord, be loyal to their Father, to not compromise. Thank you. Let this be a week of miracles. Let this be a time of testimonies. Let this be a time of breakthroughs and prayers answered and promises fulfilled. But most of all, let it be a time that we become more and more remnant ready. And I just pray this in Yeshua's name. And if you've agreed with me, just say amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. Think about this. Maybe you need to re-listen to this. Maybe you need to take notes. But you're on the verge. You're on the verge of being remnant ready. You're on the verge of a breakthrough and a change and a transformation unlike anything you've ever expected. I'm Richard Gunn. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.
Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. This weekend at Kohl's, take an extra 15% off. Save on men's and women's denim. Get Under Armour shoes for the family, $59.99 and under. And pick up a Power XL air fryer, just $84.99. Plus, take an extra $10 off your back-to-school purchase of $50 or more. Plus, store drive up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles, 15% off with promo code Notebook and August 16th. Under Armour offers and coupons do not apply. 10 off 50 with promo code BTS10 and August 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.